All right. We're live, man. We're here at ETH Denver. This is number 15 for me. Uh, I'm close to tapping out, but at the last minute, very, very fortunate to, to run into you and, 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 uh, and catch up a little bit. Um, I've known Sergey Nazarov now for almost six years uh, and, and watched his developments and just relentless uh, focus on, on this one problem area in crypto that you, I think you were appreciant in appreciating and working on solutions towards this being the, the, the Oracle problem in, um, in smart contracts. And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, Chainlink and, and his protocol for helping to connect real world data uh, with smart contracts and in a, a readable format and, and, and solving uh, some of the Oracle challenges that I think are gonna only get more and more pervasive as things like prediction markets and decentralized finance applications crop up. Uh, I'm super excited for this conversation because truth be told, someone asked me a month or so ago in one of my first podcasts with, uh, with Arjun Balaji, uh, what do you think of Chainlink? And, and, and I was like, ooh, I really, I really should know more because I've known Sergey for a while. But, um, but started following it a little bit more closely. Um, we've spoken with some folks uh, on your team since then with respect to how Masari might be a data provider and, and, and reference data provider for some of the, what you guys have in mind for the coming years. So we're gonna talk about a lot of Chainlink, why it's important, you know, some of the decisions you guys are making with respect to the product and, and how um, you can decentralize this network of Oracle services. But um, for starters, Want to hear directly from you, like vision for chain length uh, and and really what it is and, and kind of how this project got off the ground in the last year and a half. Yeah, so I, I think to understand the value of our solution, it's important to grasp the, the, the problem. Mm -hmm. So so the problem is that smart contracts on Ethereum or other chains, they cannot speak with uh, external events. So they mm -hmm. cannot talk with data feeds that prove market price, IOT, they, they, they don't know what's going on mm -hmm. beyond the network. And the only thing, the only information they have within their network is the information other contracts have, which is essentially tokens. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the current focus of the space is on tokens because that's the out-of-the-box functionality available to developers. Mm -hmm. This out-of-the-box functionality, in, in our opinion, it's very valuable and it's obviously very useful. It's obviously created a lot of value and, and a lot of a lot of attention and a lot of well well deserved usage from a lot of smart people. But it's 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 a limited version of what this technology can do. If if smart contracts are going to compete with their counterpart digital agreements in centralized form, they need to be able to speak to data data points. They need to know that a market price changed, or that a, or that an IoT event happened related to insurance. I mean, mm -hmm. the, just with a little bit of detail, the reason they don't know is because the, the method by, of consensus by which smart contracts and their state is secured, that's what actually prevents the inclusion of external unvalidated data. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a fundamental fact of these contracts that they cannot accept arbitrary data from the outside world. And, and we're really just starting to see the, the, the um, foundational elements of, uh, of oracles emerge in, in some of these decentralized applications. The first one is just MakerDAO, right? How, what reference rate do they use um, for liquidations? 
Uh, and, and so they, I think, have been one of the first projects, to my knowledge, that, that have really dug into this problem. How do you get this real-world data pumped into your smart contracts uh, and, and, and available so that they function as advertised and you don't have data integrity challenges um, or people lose money? Right, so, so you guys are taking a much broader approach when you look at this problem than just that specific case. But what else? What else is kind of low-hanging fruit that you see uh, as an immediate need for DApp developers or, or you know, other decentralized finance um, systems? So the, the interesting thing is that a lot of the immediate need is driven by immediate demand, and a lot of immediate demand is in on-chain financial products. So that's a good example. Maker is a good example of that. It's an on-chain financial product built for the crypto community, which is used by the crypto community and gains more usage and attention as more and more crypto you know, community members need such a product, mm -hmm. such an on-chain financial product. And so this, this makes it, well, that, this makes it a good example. There are, there are many other on-chain financial products that also need a reliable data feed. Mm -hmm. And the question then becomes, what is, a reliable data feed. What is a reliable method of triggering an on-chain financial product? Because the fundamentally the value of an on-chain financial product is, uh, of a smart contract in general, is that it's this highly reliable form of agreement. Mm -hmm. And that reliability, if it breaks down along the way in a certain step, in a certain part of how it's executed, you, you can't have partial reliability. You either have reliability or you don't have reliability. And so I think the, the people that are actually storing real value in smart contracts publicly are these on-chain financial products. Mm -hmm. And people, because, because value is stored in the contracts, they, they begin to have a sensitivity to the reliability of it end-to-end. -end. I think the next group are other on-chain financial products that might not necessarily target the crypto community, mm -hmm. that might be various financial products in both a public and a private uh, chain environment that target uh, you know, traditional, traditional channels or traditional buyers or institutional people or you know, just more traditional financial products that are superior. So oracles themselves though, there's nothing inherently wrong with them being centralized, right? So, so basically an oracle would take a data feed, you know, some type of data API, and then actually make it uh, functional and usable and callable by uh, smart contracts is, is my poor man's understanding of, of, of how these um, worlds get bridged. What is less clear is why wouldn't um, S&P or Bloomberg or, or you know, whoever, um, what's to prevent them from creating their own oracle because people will trust their reference data for, his, for, for legacy products versus coming up with a decentralized mechanism for, for choosing Oracle? No, 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 nothing prevents them. In fact, we make the software that companies like that would use mm -hmm. to generate an interface through which contracts can consume their data. Mm -hmm. So at, at the end of the day, the our, our focus on a decentralized Oracle network is, is based on the assumption that you will eventually want similar guarantees to the guarantees provided by your contract. Mm -hmm. now, now you can essentially get those guarantees about the trigger of your contract in two forms. One form is the decentralized guarantee, mm -hmm. which basically says there's multiple independent node operators validating a transactional, in this case, transactional input to trigger the contract. 
And this validation by multiple independent node operators provides me assurances. I mean, this is why smart contract state is secure, because it's redundantly secured by multiple node operators. So, so the point being, if you had a, just a central oracle, but you were operating these smart contracts in a distributed system, someone could hop in between the oracle and the contract? Well, there's, there's as these things were actually triggered. Well, is, it, is that the right way to think about it, or? Yeah, well, there's, there's two points. So, mm -hmm. so one point is, is, is that point, let's say you have a billion dollar contract and you want to purchase additional reliability. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at how certain things, like the LIBOR rate are computed, they're computed from multiple banks, right? Mm -hmm. So once something becomes of sufficient value, decentralizing away the risk away from a single entity uh, becomes seemingly a logical, logical you know, pathway of thinking. Other than that, you can also have another trust model called trusted execution environments. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you basically, what, what we're really engaged in at Chainlink is applying the best, uh, the best security approaches to solving this issue of how do I reliably trigger a contract so that my contract is reliable end-to-end. -end. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a $100 million contract, you're not gonna want it triggered by a startup of five guys. It's just not, it just doesn't make sense, right? What, what makes sense is either that you purchase multiple oracles that have proof that they've successfully fulfilled similar contracts, that have a deposit, that have various guarantees they provide you. Mm -hmm. And then in those list of guarantees, one of them can be a trusted execution environment guarantee, another one of them can be zero knowledge proof based guarantee. So, I mean, the, the real goal for us is to get the oracle mechanism to the same high level of mm -hmm. security and reliability that people rely on at this point from smart contracts, right? Like if, if Bitcoin if, if Bitcoin wasn't secure or if Ethereum wasn't secure, its value would evaporate. Mm -hmm. And that's the same situation with any contract that requires an external piece of data or wants to send an, an external output to, for example, a payment system. Mm -hmm. If 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 that isn't reliable, then the whole thing isn't reliable. I, I guess that's I know I'm repeating this, but I think that's really the, the the key point. And then the methods through which you arrive to that reliability are are best achieved through what's called a defense in depth approach. Mm -hmm. So a defense in depth approach doesn't myopically focus on a single thing and like fall in love with one security approach. It says there are multiple layers to security that make it increasingly difficult for an attacker to subvert a system, um, centralization is one layer, trusted execution environments are another layer, deposits are another layer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there, there's a multitude of layers that can, basically the, the, the body of work we're engaged in is what is the maximum amount of layers mm -hmm. that we can possibly provide and then we allow people to purchase the layers of security they want to purchase. Yep. So, so what that means is if they want to buy three oracles, they can buy three. If they want to buy five, they can buy five. Ten, ten, a hundred, a hundred. Um, this is actually where our system differs from many decentralized systems. Many decentralized systems, you are... The, but those oracles are all pulling the same reference data. The, the, in, in, in the case of cryptocurrency prices, we have, we, can, we have many setups where there's three oracles mm -hmm. pulling the same data set from three different data providers and therefore verifying the data, the data either across themselves off-chain mm -hmm. or verifying it on-chain, but they're 
they're redundantly decentral they're decentralizing the risk at the level of the middleware, the, the Oracle, and they're decentralizing it at the level of the data source. Well, th so th that's why I asked the question, because that can get really wonky, wacky pretty quickly, um, in the sense that there aren't real data standards uh, off-chain, right, for, for different, um, for exchange pricing, for instance, for, for, for you know, real-time pricing of crypto assets. So let's use the um, decentralized finance you know, thesis, right? So uh, we use Dharma, right? Dharma, like their Lever product just launched this weekend. Someone wants to borrow Ether to short it. Um, and all of a sudden, they have, now have a margin contract, smart contract enforced with Dharma. If the price of Ether falls below a certain percentage or, or, or uh, their collateral rather falls below a certain percentage, um, that's going to get liquidated. And they're going to get margin called and, and they're going to lose money. That margin call happens based on uh, data that is delivered from an oracle. And right now, whoever that oracle is, is, is you know, it's still a cent some centralized service. But um, I think you have to define the, both the oracle, and the oracle needs to divide the, uh, the, define the data service. How would that work in a system where you purchase five oracles that were pulling from five different data services? because you'd have five different liquidation prices. So, first of all, it depends. It depends if you have five oracles pulling from, if you have five oracles pulling from five different data sources, then essentially what you could do is create an index across those data sources within that oracle network. Okay. You could essentially do that. That would decentralize away the risk of any one data source being wrong, mm -hmm. and it would uh, smooth out whatever small marginal differences you might have, right? If, on the other hand, you trusted the data source, then there's there's two scenarios. One scenario is that you have a single data source which already has an index, and either it runs its own oracle, in which case you depend on the security of its systems. The other option is you have a single data source and maybe you want multiple oracles verifying that data source because the problem of how do I know, if, if the data source doesn't run an oracle, and a lot of data sources right now don't run oracles, even though I, the apps, uh, the dApps out there need data. Mm -hmm. um, then the question becomes, how do I, how do I achieve a reliable, basically transport layer between the data source and my contract? So that's that's in and of itself a problem. So so that's one problem. The, 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 there's rightly different levels of, of risk. Mm -hmm. One level of risk is the the risk of the middleware. One level of risk is the risk of the data source. Uh, how that's optimally solved, I mean, that depends on the details of the data source. It depends on the assumptions the, us the users of the contract are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Some contract users might be more comfortable with decentralization. Some might be more comfortable with a higher security guarantee from a data source that runs its own oracle, right? These, um, these questions aren't yet clear because the contracts that need these oracles and will hold a lot of value are right now basically launching and going live and being made. Are, um, is there any incremental work that Maker or Oracleize or, or any of the other uh, Oracle solutions, these early providers, need to do to get onboarded into the Chainlink network? Or will have to do as this goes to mainnet? I mean, at, at the end of the day, one of the, one of the key things Chainlink provides is the ability for a requesting contract to form a service agreement with an Oracle provider. Mm -hmm. And for that service agreement to define very clearly 
what that Oracle provider is responsible for, what the penalties are, and what the effects on that Oracle provider's reputation will be, mm -hmm. right? So uh, essentially what, what this comes down to is that any, any Oracle provider that wants to participate in the Chainlink network, a large part of the value of their participation in that network is, is their ability to prove to other future users that they've successfully fulfilled delivery and triggering of contracts by, by triggering, for example, five contracts run by five separate companies mm -hmm. and showing that they successfully triggered them and showing that they did that on a certain timeline and showing that they met all the requirements of this defined service agreement. So, so right now there is no service agreement. Right now it's just kind of like, I can go out, choose an Oracle, some centralized Oracle service, and I hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And if they make a mistake, then I don't really have much recourse, and maybe I go on Twitter, maybe I don't, but nothing really happens. Mm -hmm. In, like, realistically, all the Oracles that exist right now, they can easily be part of the Chainlink network. And I think the reason that it might make sense to do that is that they would be able to represent all of their transactional data in a way that builds their reputation towards future usage. Is a good way to think about this network uh, just as an Oracle marketplace? Uh, yeah, I think the way to think about this is it's a, it's, a, it's a protocol for people defining what a good Oracle is, mm -hmm. and then it's a collection of design patterns that evolve over time that, that also define what a good Oracle is. So at, at the end, of, like we work with a lot of companies. We work with on-chain financial products, off-chain private products, and the reality is that in, in different verticals, there will be different service agreement types mm -hmm. that want different guarantees for their contract type, right? So what, I mean, what Chainlink will, will hopefully become is a collection of these design patterns that can actually provide the security that uh, a CIO or a lead architect deals with hundreds of millions of dollars. He can look at the, he can look at the design pattern of here is a contract, Here's the trigger of the contract. Here's the settlement of the contract. He can look at how that's all set up, and he can see that, oh, this same design pattern, these same oracles, this same method of triggering and settling the contract are used by these five other banks or these 10 other insurance companies, and this design pattern has a very good history of providing security, uh, or providing security against this level of attacks. So now I'm going to look at my budget and I'm going to say, you know, I do want to pay for that level of security. That means five oracles running trusted execution environments and, you know, whatever other guarantees they want to provide. Mm -hmm. um, super excited to see this go live. We, one of the first questions I, I got uh, on this was when mainnet, which I'm sure you're probably sick of answering. Um, but what, what are the next milestones? What does what the, the 2019 roadmap look like? For, for bringing this live? Yeah, so our plans are, uh, you know, we're wrapping up our security audits. Those those audits have gone well. We've done multiple audits. We just want to make sure everything is in the right place. Mm -hmm. And then we'll we'll go to mainnet when we feel comfortable with uh, with the state of state of the current uh, security assessment. That's the, the obvious next step. The steps beyond that are basically expanding on the reputation system, expanding on a system of deposits, mm -hmm. expanding on, basically answering answering two key questions. One key question is, what are the design patterns? What are, what is the collection of oracles? What is the collection of security guarantees that should be given by an oracle that form 
real security, the type of security that, that people can actually rely on. And then the second question that, that I think will be figured out along the way is, what are people willing to pay for decentralized computation, at least in this specific form, right? I, th I think one of the really interesting things is that we're giving people a way to consume a decentralized computation in, in a very detailed, specific, individual way. So they can, they can, instead of being forced to use thousands of nodes, they can select you know, the collection of nodes they want and the guarantees that those nodes provide them. Um, so yeah, I, the, the, the next steps beyond, uh, beyond mainnet will be refining what makes a good oracle, maintaining the security of, of what a good oracle is, and kind of working with the community and with users to come up with better and better design patterns so, so that hopefully in, in some amount of time we can, we can have somebody come into the space, they can ask themselves, how do I make a secure contract that asks for a market price or an IoT event? And they can just have a pre-made set of design patterns that cost X, Y, and Z, and they just make a decision of, you know, this is the design, this is the amount of oracles and the features I want in the oracles, and this is how I want it to work. And, and they can they can purchase that security without, yeah, I mean, they, for their contract to be to hold real value, somehow, one way or another, they're going to need to purchase that security. Well, this is by far the most hearts. Uh, and the most comments that I've gotten on any any live stream this weekend. So I assume that that means people enjoyed this conversation. I think it speaks to how excited people are to see this problem solved because it really does open up the universe of, of possibilities. Um, didn't ask too many hard questions just because you're still pre-main net and you're figuring some of this stuff out, but uh, I hope we'll have you on again soon. We'll talk about the token next time, um, when, when more appropriate and, and when you guys are a little bit closer to the main net. But um, for now, Sergey, always a pleasure to see you. Yeah, Thank you so right. much for you joining, much. and good to see you uh, looking forward to getting this uh, uh, feedback and uh, seeing what people had to say. I'm sure if there was any uh, uh, down down points this interview, I probably missed a ton of really interesting technical questions that people have been badgering me about, but I just couldn't actually see from far away. So um, we'll do it again soon. Okay. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thank you very much.